Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very excited to be joined today by Madeline Mortimer, the Global Education Innovation and Research Lead at Logitech. I've been a Logitech user for many moons, so there's plenty to talk about in terms of what Logitech's doing, but, but also global education, innovation and research. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about a lot of things that I'm personally interested in, but before we get to any of that, Maddie, I would just like to welcome you to Trending in Education. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for having me today. Really excited about our chat. Absolutely. And like I said, uh, global education, innovation, and research, uh, all good words in your job title, and they're all interesting ones that we're going to want to cover as part of the conversation. Before we get to any of that, I always like to begin by asking for our guest's origin story. So can you share with our listeners how you got to this point in your professional life? So I've always been really interested in digging into slightly hidden challenges in the world of education. And this curiosity led me to do my master's focused on technology in the intersection of human development and psychology at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, I had the opportunity to join Logitech and really build out this education team that we currently have mm -hmm. and dig into what are the best tools for students of various different ages, environments in today's landscape. Yeah. And that's a fascinating place to be in particular in these challenging times where two years ago, the way people would think about engaging in educational experiences online is very different from the way we think about those experiences today. You've been in your role for a little while in the context of the, the pandemic. Can you give a little bit of context around what it's been like to be in this innov innovation and education role for Logitech in these challenging times? Most definitely. So as there's been a big increase in the number of one-to-one -one devices, which has been the dominant focus the last year and a half, which has been connectivity at home, at school, and ensuring each and every student has access to a device. What we're really focused on is solving the challenges that actually come with this increase in one-to-one -one devices. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the time, these devices aren't fully equipped to be appropriate for both the activities that are being done in class, mm -hmm. uh, the age group of the students, and as well on the educator side, really what they're trying to accomplish from uh, an academic and pedagogical standpoint as well. Mm -hmm. So we've really been focused on identifying those challenges and actively solving them. Got it. Yeah. And then just for our listeners who may not be fully familiar with Logitech and the role it plays in the educational learning ecosystem, can you talk about how Logitech connects into the world of learning these days? Yes. So we are focused on a range of different tools. Firstly, tools that attach directly to the device. So whether that's a mouse, headset, webcam, digital stylus, among a few, mm -hmm. as well as the overall environment. So that could be video collaboration tools, which means in layman terms, just a big <laughs> webcam, as well as presenter tools, 
microphones to really have that holistic experience in the classroom. Yeah. And when we were setting up, we were talking a little bit about uh, e-gaming and sports mm-hmm. and, you know, esports and streaming and how in many ways the tooling and the home setup and the ability to be a power user, particularly as a teacher or an online instructor, in some ways it does mirror that of the setup that a, an e-gamer, which is an emerging field. And I imagine uh, Logitech is equipping for both contexts and there's some things to learn as an educator in terms of what's happening in the the esports and and streaming space. Most definitely. We have uh, a lot of different tools that enable schools to implement these e-gaming programs, as well as we recently did a program called Jenny Sports, which provides a safe space for gamers uh, to engage and enjoy with their peers. It's definitely something that we see as being a really important aspect for schools moving forward um, into the next year, especially when kids have been quite deprived from interaction with their peers. There's really this need to engage in social emotional development which gaming provides that fantastic Mm -hmm. opportunity as well as reconnecting uh, with their peers one really interesting stat that has really stuck with me is that over 60 percent of kids who engage in esports programs in schools are not part of any other club or association at the school Mm. so it's a really important outlet uh, for kids not only the social emotional development part, but to really feel that sense of belonging. Yeah. And also the idea that the school can actually embrace this culture that otherwise is going to go underground. It's a nice pro-social context in which kids can get their gaming on, which is a cool thing. <laughs> and then in terms of your whole history, uh, you also bring the context of, of an athlete as someone who's performed at a very high level as a D1 athlete, uh, among other things. And that's something that has informed your relationship to education and how you think about the mission of education. Can you expand on that a little bit? Definitely. I really see true innovation being taking a intersectional lens to the challenges uh, that we're seeking to solve. And I definitely lean upon my background as a D1 All-American athlete as well. One example is looking into how we can really help educators this upcoming year, especially when burnout and retention rates are a big issue at hand. Mm -hmm. And it's looking into things such as how we can change certain elements in the recovery, very similar to athletics. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that's one example, as well as, of course, uh, the equipment at hand. How can we help decrease the physical elements, whether it's voice without a voice amplification tool, whether it's the ergonomic factors of having to increase the number of hours, uh, which is really physically straining, even if you're sat at a desk. Yeah. Um, So yeah, at a high level, that's uh, some examples, but definitely infusing that into how we're approaching education. Yeah, I, I've always, as a sports fan, I always like when people are getting treatment and it'd be interesting if our, <laughs> yeah. our educators could call a timeout and, exactly. and get a little work done. It's funny 
to think about it, but in a way it's very similar in that to perform yeah. optimally, you need to bring your whole self to what you're doing. And then for the earlier years of your educational experience, there's a real physicality mm-hmm. to learning. And in some ways, that's something that may be lost as we get older, where we're not necessarily yeah. permitted to move around, get mm-hmm. into the experiential learning, something we've talked a lot more about lately, particularly as things have moved outside in response to the pandemic. Um, any Anything to touch on just philosophically about like a, a holistic approach to to all of this, because it does seem like in an innovation role, you're going to have to make connections across mm-hmm. the whole person, the whole educator, the whole student. Yeah. It sounds like you've been able to do a little bit of that yourself as someone who's on a journey as a learning professional. Any advice or perspective that you might be able to share with other educators? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in today's landscape where we can't re- underestimate the amount of stress and burdens that both the students, educators, uh, school professionals have undergone. So really giving ourselves grace as we head into this next year. And as you touched upon it, Mike, looking at things from a holistic standpoint is so critical. And that's what we're also really trying to do. Uh, Holistic, referring to the emotional, physical, behavioral, mental side of everything that we're going into Mm -hmm. Uh, we look to solve that through the products that we're also creating as well as just overall what recommendations uh, we're making in terms of integrating tech into the classroom yeah and that brings me to the 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 big ticket item that's been coming up a lot is hybrid learning i've seen you write some of your writing uh is about the promise of online learning. And then one of the things that has emerged is this, you know, it's, it's been around for some time. I'm actually familiar with it from earlier in my career, but the, the concept of this blending of learning contexts into one group is something you've spent more time thinking about. It makes sense, particularly from the context of Logitech. Can you expand a bit on hybrid learning and your perspective on it? So leading off of the topic of holistic uh, learning and looking at both the student and educator in holistic way, that's how we look at hybrid learning. It's not enough just for the students who are remote to be able to see the content. They really need to be an integral part of the classroom. Mm -hmm. So that looking at the students in the classroom and students remotely, not in a separate way, but how can we really connect them together in which we can really emphasize and prioritize this type of collaboration and integration is ensuring that the classroom is equipped with adequate video collaboration tools. Mm -hmm. So that could be as simple as some webcams if you're getting started out, or it could be the full video collaboration tools that we have such as the rally bar and those types of tools but that's really key Mm -hmm. as well as that piece it's so important that the remote students can also hear not only the educator themselves but also their peers Mm -hmm. especially now as we're leaning away from predominantly direct instruction and there's a lot of peer interaction and discussion in the class Mm -hmm. Uh, it's critical that there's enough tools around the classroom mics headsets for small group sessions that remote peers able to 
hear and really, again, feel that sense of belonging in the classroom. Yeah, Logitech is an interesting spot because when done right, the technology almost just gets out of the way to the point that you don't notice it, particularly if you are talking about cameras and audiovisual uh, mm-hmm. equipment. But can you give some examples of where you see some of the new and exciting innovation happening? I, I imagine it's both to level the playing field and give a leg up to folks who otherwise would have challenges with access on the one hand, but then there's also probably some cutting edge stuff that's also happening in terms of integrating new media. What's out there happening based on your perspective that you think is worth sharing? Mm -hmm. I'd say, first of all, some of the most exciting tech might seem on the surface pretty basic, but as you touched upon it, it's really enabling this inclusive classroom environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know that for ages eight to 10, if there's high ambient noise, this leads to significant decrease in standardized test results. We've mm-hmm. also seen it increase uh, special ed referrals when it's not particularly needed, mm-hmm. as well as decrease early literacy learning, which is so critical right now, mm-hmm. especially in uh, this time of learning loss recovery. Mm -hmm. So having classrooms equipped with the right audio uh, voice amplification is so underrated Mm -hmm. and surprisingly not fully out there yet. And it's quite overlooked. Just to jump in on that one, I've been known to say audio is the new video. I do think (laughs) a lot of times we get so preoccupied with the visuals, particularly if you, if you look at the way new media is emerging with Instagram and TikTok, everything's about the, the visuals, but we forget that a lot of the meaningful instructional content, a lot of the stuff that we actually learn from comes in through our ears or what I affectionately refer to as our learn holes. That was one interesting insight is the role of audio, but, uh, but what else? You, you had other thoughts to share. Yeah, definitely. And you know, beyond that is more of these immersive learning experiences uh, that we're seeing coming up actually quite a lot in uh, Europe at the moment and anticipate it to come more to the US. So I think this is so important, especially as collaboration should be at the forefront, particularly since kids haven't been around each other the last year and a half. So instead of putting on a VR headset or really heads down in the device, how can we amplify the visuals in the classroom uh, so that kids can have that collaborative learning experience together? Yeah. Emerging technologies like augmented reality, virtual reality, the the cutting edge. Uh, Again, I frequently look to entertainment media as a place that maybe this stuff happens first. And then if we can bring some of that into educational context, frequently that's where some of the innovation happens. Where do you get inspiration? Where do you see new stuff emerging in the world around you so that you can think about staying ahead of the game when it comes to education and innovation? So as I mentioned earlier, it's really taking this intersectional lens and blending best practices and current innovation uh, from other industries. One example of how we've recently implemented this is we did a collaboration with our streamers and creators group, which enable professional creators uh, to develop content. So whether that's musicians, actors, everyone in that type of 
industry mm -hmm. and we collaborated with them and their deep expertise in that space to create a pilot professional development series with our new partner OutSchool mm. and so in this series we cover a lot of different aspects integrated into pedagogical practices all the way from lighting body language tone of voice uh, what's the best tone of voice from a learning perspective as well as engagement perspective on the content creation side and so that's really a way that we're gaining inspiration and also bringing new knowledge uh, to the education space. That's very cool. Yeah. And OutSchool is a company that we've discussed in the past, scaling the live online delivery, a company that's also been getting a lot of attention in light of the pandemic and their readiness to get a new live online marketplace out there in the world. And it would make sense that they would need to train up their educators to be virtuoso streamers and I could see how a connection to Logitech would give them the consoles and the equipment and the training that they would need to do it beautifully. That makes a ton of sense. What else is happening out there in the world around us these days that's capturing your attention? Are there other trends you're noticing based on your background in education and then applying that to the experiences you're getting across a broad research program like what you're doing for Logitech? Mm -hmm. So one, just in the broader education space is this rapid increase in community involvement. There's been a sharp increase in the number of parent universities, what it's being called, where parents are really being equipped with the right knowledge to help their kids at home, especially now since 11 and under in the US haven't been vaccinated yet. So they're either in a very much a hybrid environment, a virtual environment, and having this increase in community involvement has been so critical in mm -hmm. recovering uh, from this learning loss, as well as enabling this learning continuity. Mm -hmm. and what we're really excited about helping some of these uh, school districts with is connecting the parents to the schools through some of our video collaboration tools. It's really hard to go in daily or weekly and connect with the educator, connect with other parent groups and all of that. So having uh, that flexibility to connect all school stakeholders together um, has been really important. Mm -hmm. One other aspect that I'm seeing a lot is an emphasis on early childhood education as kids who are even going into grade three, the last time they were in school was in kindergarten. Right. And so thinking about there's really learning loss beyond just academics. It's in aspects such as fine motor skills, social emotional development, all of these areas that are critical uh, parts of learning. And one area we're thinking about and how we can help is through this loss in fine motor skills, bilateral coordination, all of these skills that are critical to use a device effectively, yeah. is that's really when you can think about what other tools can I add to the device to make it easier for the kids to use. So mm -hmm. whether it's a mouse, because um, we know that that's easier uh, to use for kids of that age rather than a trap pair because of their fine motor skills are still developing until the age of 10? Yeah. Or is it a 
stylus for a better accuracy versus uh, your finger um, mm -hmm. with finger isolation that may not have been totally developed. So I think it's really important to think about beyond uh, just the academic side and also beyond just um, the content. Yeah, it's almost like a human factors understanding, ergonomic understanding of the learner and those learners change over time mm -hmm. and the way they interact with technology changes over time. I understand that as a parent of a two-year-old, the way he's interacting with technology is constantly evolving and it is really interesting to think about outfitting it for both the instructor but then also the family at home and then also the learner it, it is interesting to think about the different persona who are becoming more central to the designing of these solutions follow up quickly just on the importance of video as well because i did talk about audio but one thing i remember from my years at kaplan we were doing a lot of research around what made live instruction effective and there was an interesting tension between the strict cognitive load people who thought having a human on camera created more noise and information that could be distracting to the learner those people tended to prefer audio over powerpoint versus those and i'd throw myself into this camp who thought the emotional experience of at least seeing that there is a human on the other side even if they're not on for the whole time, is really profound and powerful. It also relates a bit to the tendency of a lot of people to go off camera nowadays to feel like the camera is a little bit invasive. I'd love to get some perspective from you on the complexity and centrality in some ways of connecting visually with other humans these days, even though I think it's a, a very complex topic. I'd love to get a little perspective from you because I imagine you spent some time thinking about it. You hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the emotional part, and that's just as important, in my opinion, as the actual content acquisition, and it's also part of it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, in recent research, uh, we've seen as of six months ago, we've seen that it is best to have the educator present on the video when introducing a topic or yep. talking about overall broad areas of the topic. However, when there's more specifics of the concept being explained, such as workings out of a math equation, yep. it's more effective if the educator is not visible on the camera. Mm -hmm. And so it really depends, again, how you integrate the video element into the class. Yeah, We've also seen that peers who can see each other on their camera, they're more immersed in their learning, even if it's, you know, on a TV screen in the classroom. They feel more immersed in their learning. Uh, they're more engaged overall, and they also exert more effort into assignments that's really the trickle down effect yeah again it's all in the appropriate integration whether it ends up being effective or adds friction yeah and, and you're speaking to both the art and the science of great online teaching where there is science there is randomized controlled trials happening out there in the world where we're figuring out which interventions work best but there is also artistry to it 
And and I do think the the instructor who's able to call her shots and explain why she's on camera, why she's off camera, and provide some continuity through the flow of the lesson is the one who will reach students in the right way. If folks want to track down any of these uh, types of resources, is there anywhere they should go to find some of the the documents and the, the findings that you've had? It sounds like you have a lot of research at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of this is a mix of both Logitech and external research, uh, mm-hmm. but we do have what we call a Logitech Education Center on our website, and we publish a lot of blog posts, articles, case studies that is infused with a lot of this research. Uh, mm-hmm. So I recommend checking that out. That makes sense. And then I always love to ask uh, guests, like at any point in their career, to provide a little more clarity about what's it like to get to this point. You've charted an interesting path. I'm always thinking about the future of work. You're someone who really focused on education and innovation and then has moved back into a large uh, enterprise that's doing some cutting edge research. Uh, Any insights you might have, any advice for other folks who are charting their own career in the world Mm -hmm. of education? You seem to have gotten to an interesting place. Any perspective you can share or advice for folks? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'd say I've been very much focused on the impact I want to make rather than any titles or companies. And it just so happens that I'm at a bigger company, but I can confidently say if I was doing the same thing at a 10-person company, I'd be just as happy. Mm -hmm. So I'd say focus on the purpose and impact that you want to make, and it will naturally uh, flow from there. Awesome. Fantastic stuff, Maddie. As we're wrapping up here, if we you wanted to bring it home for our listeners so that they have something to take away from this conversation, what's going on nowadays that folks should be paying attention to? What insights have you garnered so that as good instructional designers, we're reinforcing what folks mm-hmm. may have learned through our conversation today? So how, how would you bring this conversation to conclusion? So even with the increase of one-to-one devices and all of the fantastic technology that many schools have acquired, uh, for us not to become complacent and remember that one size doesn't fit all, all also applies to technology. Yeah. And there's a lot of research and a lot of customization necessary to find the right fit so that the magic of great online learning can happen. The good news is it sounds like it is happening and folks like Maddie are out there doing the good work to make it more able to happen on the regular. So I would thank you for your efforts in your career to kind of move educational innovation forward. And I'd like to thank you also for appearing on the show. So thank you for joining us today, Maddie. Thanks so much, Mike, for having me. Great talking with you. Awesome. And for our listeners, thank you, as always, for listening. We'll put all the references that Maddie was referring to up on our show page if you want to learn more. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, tell a friend, write us a review. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. (laughs) 